Hey folks, welcome to episode one of the Housing News Special Edition Mortgage Masterclass. Our first expert in this four-part series is Dr. Orfe Duvingi, Senior Economist of Zillow Home Loans. As a senior economist at Zillow Home Loans, Orfe is a member of Zillow's economic research team. In the past, his work has focused on housing and labor markets, as well as quantitative methods for policy evaluation. Orfe earned a doctorate in economics from England's University of Southampton, where his research focused on highlighting the importance of trading delays for market participant decisions and ultimately market prices. Orfe is also a board member at Housing Connector, a nonprofit dedicated to lowering barriers to housing. Orfe, welcome to this special edition of Housing News. Oh, thanks for having me. Orfe, we're going to keep this conversation really focused, but also keep it natural. So if we, uh, if, you, if we hit on some themes that you're excited about, feel free to help guide us in the right direction. But the main theme we're going to talk about today is how market participants are navigating volatile mortgage rates in a changing housing market. So Orfe, if I can kick you off, what dynamics are buyers and sellers currently facing in this market that, that we're navigating in 2023? Yes, you know, we look at our March data and we saw the typical home value climbed up roughly 1% uh, from February to March, uh, the strongest growth since last June. Uh, But, you know, it's no surprise that newly pending listings, right, so are down 24% when compared to a year ago. Uh, So, and, and that really means that home buying demand has kind of fallen from last year. You know, long gone is the hot, feverish pandemic housing market. Uh, but uh, with the spring, the demand some rebounded somewhat, right? So, and you know, we know people buy in the spring. And so you have buyers coming back to the table, kind of braving the large swings, that the higher mortgage payments, the large swings in mortgage rates. Uh, but, you know, w- what we're also seeing is sellers not showing up, right? Sellers haven't quite showed up yet. Uh, to this to this party, right? The new listings are down 22% when compared to last year. And so high mortgage rates are also affecting sellers. I think that's the that's the part that took everyone by surprise. Uh, I, we all expected that with the typical mortgage payment increasing uh, roughly 26% now when compared to last year, buyers would take a step back. But what we didn't expect was sellers taking such a big step back and not coming back, uh, coming back into the market this spring. Yeah, as we've talked about the supply-constrained market, sellers not showing up to the table has been a theme that's been that's been recurring in a lot of our work at Housing Wire and, and your work at Zillow. When you're giving some commentary there, you mentioned active listings, and you also talked about pendings. Are pendings your kind of proxy for the demand side of the equation? Uh, no, not really. Remember, sales, sales reflect both uh, supply and demand. Right. And so uh, so we, you, you have to think about, you know, if sell if sellers are not showing up and, you know, there's not enough inventory to choose from enough options, uh, sales are going to go down. Right. So sales are not just a proxy for demand. They're both uh, they reflect both supply and demand. Uh, then you take a new list and you take new listings and new listings tell you uh, that supply has gone down, right? To, supply is really a, a story of new listings as a story of supply. And so you can, you can look at that and kind of back out, uh, what demand, uh, is doing given that you know what supply is already doing, right? And so we know, uh, I put out a piece on, a, a piece of research on this uh, back in October. We know 
uh, we can estimate how much demand has fallen over the past year. And so, yeah, we know demand has fallen because mortgage payments, the typical mortgage payment has increased. Uh, but buyers are back. Buyers are back strongly. I mean, we, and half of part, in half of the country, we're seeing prices increasing uh, pretty rapidly in this environment. Uh, but, you know, what one of the things that I think is really concerning is the fact that inventory remains so low. Right. If you look at inventory, uh, inventory is so much lower than it was before the pandemic. You know, that return to normal is so slow and sluggish. I think that's the part that's kind of shocking to most uh, to most people who track this stuff. It's the fact that inventory just hasn't returned and isn't coming back as strongly as we had hoped. Um, so mortgage rates are definitely having a major impact. And where mortgage rates go to next is definitely also going to have an impact. So Orfe, you mentioned that the the sellers are still still on the sidelines, but the the buyers are are back in market. In a traditional market, your your sellers become buyers, and and vice versa. So where are the buyers coming from if they are not the traditional seller who's listing their house and upgrading or relocating and coming back to the market in their second or third home? That's right. Our research shows that there's been a huge increase in the in the share of first time home buyers, right? And so uh, so the, and this is very interesting, right? As Demand has competition. Demand fell and competition decreased somewhat. You know, first time home buyers finally had an opportunity to come in, you know, not competing with the cash offers anymore. Right. Uh, had an opportunity to come back in the market. Uh, and so and there's a lot of stuff being done out there on the policy front to try to help first time home buyers. And I think that's good news. Uh, so more must be done. I think they're constrained by, we know the constraint is the supply side. Uh, who could have guessed, right, that supply would still be a constraint uh, in 2023 after a, a sharp increase in mortgage rates? How do you, how would you categorize the psychology of the first time home buyer? They're facing the same dynamics of interest rates that are significantly higher than they were 12, 18, 24 months ago. They're also facing a scenario where home prices is held up and you just shared your, your March data and we saw continued home price appreciation into the end of the first quarter of 2023. What's the psychology of the first time home buyer and how are they kind of sur- surmounting these hurdles that are high rates and high home prices historically? Yeah, look, here's what we know. We know research tells us that buyers don't just vanish, right? Uh, when housing costs go up, people delay home buying. So what, what we're probably going to see is the age and income of first-time home buyers increasing. And what we're definitely already seeing is the type of homes that people buy is changing. Uh, if you look at, uh, at the housing market and you compare it by price tiers, you see that competition for relatively uh, more affordable homes, kind of entry-level homes, is still pretty strong. In fact, it's, it's, it's the strongest right now. The prices of, prices of the least expensive ha- houses rose by 8% over the past year. Mid-level homes appreciated by roughly 3%. And the most expensive homes lost, uh, lost value by roughly 1%, uh, you know, the first, the first time since 2012. And so we are seeing that shift in the compositions of home that sale uh, because mortgage payments have increased so much. And, and usually, you know, I, the advice I give to first-time home buyers is, you know, before you go and look at ho- houses, uh, make sure you know what it is that you can afford, right? And and the only way to do that is to enlist a mortgage professional first. You know, 
Finance first is the best advice you can give buyers right now. Get that mortgage professional to look at your finances to help you improve your credit. You know, they usually have really great tips on how to improve your credit because a good credit will save you thousands over the life of the loan. And so I tell, hey, finance first. Get to know exactly what it is that you can afford before you go to an agent and say, okay, what's available that's within my budget? Uh, and so that that's kind of the advice I give uh, first-time home buyers. That's really interesting. Over the last decade, we've seen the amount of time that a homeowner stays in their home elongate pretty significantly. We used to talk about industry averages that were in the, the six-year range. And at points during COVID, I heard that average had climbed up north of 10 and 11, 12 years in certain parts of the country. How do you think this dynamic of more first-time home buyers targeting the home they can afford, which is often in that starter home, like lower one or two quartiles. How do, how do you think that will impact the amount of time that these people stay in their home, the 2023 buyers? Look, it's, <laughs> that's a very good point. I think it's, it's really important to, uh, to focus uh, on the fact that we have a massive shortage in this country, unit, a massive unit deficit in this country. And, uh, and builders, whatever we can do to unlock builders is, uh, is, is what we should be doing, right, As on the policy front, right, at all levels of government. Uh, I think that is, that is the big problem right now. I think buyers are likely going to, uh, first-time home buyers are likely gonna, going to buy just to get on the housing ladder. And they're going to want to upgrade, you know, as their families grow, they're going to want to upgrade. You know, people move. Uh, we know that. People move for whatever reason. Uh, life happens. Uh, you know, the mortgage rate is part of the constraint, unfortunately. But people are going to want to move. And and so, you know, having the inventory there uh, is going to be absolutely crucial. And I think that uh, ultimately new construction can play a huge part uh, in this story. It's really interesting. There's been um, – I love following loan originator and real estate agent social media accounts. And there's been a couple post categories that have really popped in the last six months. One is the uh, the home buyer with um, – unrealistic expectations of what they can what they can afford and what they can get in the market today. And the second is the I don't know, some people love it, some people hate it, but the marry the house date the rate theme. And and I, and I wonder that these first time home buyers as they're coming into the home that they can afford today to get on the housing ladder, instead of marrying the house marrying the house date the rate, if we do see a rate environment's different than the one that we are today, would that actually be a market where homeowners choose to to upgrade to the house that will fit their family and their changing lifestyle needs as they progress up the housing ladder. Yeah, I, look, I, I honestly think that it, the advice I give people is uh, stop trying to time the market. You know, a lot of a lot of people, are, you know, they hear that advice with stock market, you know, with the stock market, and I don't think they hear it enough with the housing market. You're not going to be able to predict where mortgage rates are headed. And so, uh, you know, the best advice you could, you do, I give them is, look, if you love a house, go and get the house. You know, you could always refinance later. Uh, you know, and, and that's what most, that's what most people have done, right? So, you know, the mortgage rates, uh, above 7% were the norm, right? And, you know, and those low mortgage rates that we got in the past couple of years are the exception. And so 
I expect, you know, here's what I expect. I expect that inflation is going to continue to play a, a strong role in where mortgage rates are headed, right? So if you really want to, if you really want to understand the dynamics, you have to think about, you have to focus on inflation. So long as inflation remains far above the Fed's 2% target, mortgage rates are going to stay elevated. And, uh, but that should not stop people from, from moving for life continues, right? You know, you move now. If mortgage rates happen to fall uh, later on, you could always refinance. Uh, I don't think the mortgage, the focus on the mortgage rate, uh, you know, is 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 necessary. I don't think people should be focused on more on the mortgage rate to make life decisions. Uh, you know, it's it's part of the budget constraint. Uh, but but things are happening. I think. Look, the reality is, even if mortgage rates come down, right, uh, with buyers waiting in the wings. You know, prices are likely going, you're likely going to see upward pressure on prices. And so you can never, you, you, you're likely not going to see a situation where you'll have both a big decline in mortgage rates and a big decline in house prices, right? Uh, the only unfortunate circumstance where we would have both is a certain, is, is probably the worst case scenario, which is, would be uh, a scenario where you have a big economic contraction. Uh, and people lose their incomes, uh, you know, and, and even in that situation, you know, you have sellers today that are sitting on record home equity. You're not going to get the foreclosure crisis that you had in 08, 09. And so, uh, you know, so for people to sit there and, and think, okay, uh, you know, prices are going to come down. I'm going to wait, the, wait this out. Uh, you know, I think that's uh, that's the worst advice. And you hear that a lot from some of the YouTubers. Right. Uh, and they're like, hey, you know, not a good time to buy price. No, it's just not going to happen. You're not we're not in a situation where we're going to see a big foreclosure crisis. Uh, you know, mortgage delinquency rates are still very low, uh, you know, roughly where they were in 2019. Now, I think they were lower than where they were before the pandemic for, for the longest time. They just haven't ticked up very much. Uh, homeowners are sitting on record home equity. And we're even seeing that the markets that have seen the biggest slowdown uh, in the West are the markets where people are sitting on record home equity, right? Uh, you know, so, so those are markets, those are markets where people had seen a huge increase in, in their home values during the pandemic. Uh, they are not desperate to sell uh, whatsoever. And so, uh, and so for, for buyers that are out there thinking, hey, maybe I should sit this one out and, and wait, I say this is probably, uh, you know, this is bad. If you're getting that advice on phone one, this is really bad advice. Uh, you know, focus on your life. Life continues. And then, uh, and, you know, I tell people, look, the economy is slowing right now. The one thing I would be worried about more than mortgage rates is income. You know, I, you would want to make sure that you have enough income to pay those monthly payments when they're due. Uh, that That's the advice I give people. Don't worry about the mortgage rate because it's impossible for the best of us to predict where mortgage rates are going. Folks, this is the gospel according to Orfe. Orfe, you're hitting like all the points that I've been thinking about so much. And uh, I am not a... 
uh, an irrational housing bull or a housing opt- optimist. I'm a housing rationalist. And the, the points that, that you just made about the relationship between inflation, interest rates, and home p- prices, I feel like I've had this unpopular opinion that the market is actually behaving relatively rationally. And if we see a decline in interest rates, we will likely see a very corresponding increase or upward pressure on home prices in most markets in the U.S., except for the situation of a severe economic crisis. And the only situation where we see rates come down and basically the Federal Reserve acting to bring rates down and home prices coming down is another scenario, not that dissimilar to what we were facing in 2020, where we were looking at a global pandemic and um, global civil unrest and threats of of war. I mean, like we were not in a good place when rates started coming down in in 2020. And uh, I don't think that's an outcome that we can hope for or, or that I would necessarily bet on. I mean, look what happened when when rates went down in 2020. You know, we we had this little bleep in the housing market. And then all of a sudden we had to surge in house prices. Right? You know, it became so cheap to finance a home that uh that people came back strong. I I think you know, it's uh, I think people are missing the fact that there are so many uh millennials and in Gen Z trying to get on the housing ladder, uh starting their families and they're just waiting. They're waiting for the opportunity to come out to come on the market. And to those people I say, look, if you can afford it, uh, you just have to compare what house prices are today to what your parents or grandparents paid for their homes. You know, uh, delaying hurts. <laughs> and so, you know, if you can, if you have the opportunity and you can afford it and you're not worried about your income uh, in the future, I think you should be considering getting on the housing ladder. It's still the key to uh, wealth building in this country. Uh, most wealth has been made through housing. And so, uh, so waiting for mortgage rates, trying to predict where mortgage rates are going. Uh, you know, I hear that a lot. You know, you hear, you know, people on YouTube and all dif- different platforms, pundits talk about the market and, uh, and, and they think that every, that we're living in a situation that's similar to 08, 09. And it's just not true. You know, you look at the, the only places where house prices are sliding in the West, uh, and, and Southwest. Are places that have had where homeowners have seen their home values soar during the pandemic, where homeowners are sitting on record home equity, and it's because prices increased so much in those parts of the country that you saw a huge increase in construction and new building uh, in those in those markets. You know, a market like Austin, for example, so massive massive increase in new in new construction, which is why. They have so much inventory, right? The, the increase in inventory in that part of, in, in that region, in that market is due to the fact that, you know, prices were increasing and supply came on, uh, you know, and so, so that's, that's why, it, but again, people in Austin are sitting on record home equity, you know, uh, they, they don't, even though prices are falling there, uh, you know, relative to other parts of the country, sellers are in a very good, sellers are very comfortable. Absolutely. So Orfe, I don't want to glaze over your earlier comment on on not timing the market. I think you're uniquely qualified to speak on this topic, given your doctoral work was actually on the behavior of market participants and how that ultimately impacts prices in the stock market. But I think you've already made a parallel to what happens in the housing market. Um, we, No matter what we say in this podcast, I don't think we're going to convince every consumer in the U.S. not 
to try to time the market. But how can we help loan originators and real estate agents address that natural desire that first-time home buyers or even move-up buyers feel that they have this un- unique insight that will help them make a, a market timing decision that that others just just can't do? <laughs> yeah, again, you know. W- People ask me all the time, yeah, where are mortgage rates going? And, and by the way, I get this from very, very smart people. Uh, look, inflation. Just focus on inflation. I think a lot of uh, loan originators and mortgage professionals, uh, I talk to them all the time, right? They follow me on LinkedIn and, you know, and they follow what the, the macroeconomic developments. You know, the, the big picture is the macro, right? And I say inflation. Inflation is key. If you want to know where mortgage rates are headed, look at the inflation picture. The inflation picture tells us headline inflation has come down somewhat. Disinflation is very much underway, but core inflation remains pretty sticky, right? And and the Fed cares about core inflation. It's what dictates uh, kind of their reaction function. And so because core inflation is somewhat sticky and it's, I think, roughly 4.6% now year over year, uh, core PCE compared to the 2% target, right, where they want it to be, uh, the Fed is, their hands are tied. They almost have to uh, raise interest rates. You know, it, it, by the way, we're getting a Fed decision tomorrow. And I think the market expects the Fed to raise interest rates by 25 basis points tomorrow. And so, and, and another thing that people uh, don't quite understand is they think the Fed is what determines mortgage rates. No, mortgage rates actually uh, are the, the response of mortgage rates to the Fed decision is very limited. Short term interest rates are very responsive to the Fed movements. More, the mortgage rates response is very limited. Uh, mortgage rates are mostly a reflection of current inflation, but also inflation expectations. You know, where investors think inflation is going to be, you know, and the economic outlook. And, and just for, 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 for the audience, I think that uh, I'll give you a very good example. You know, if I'm a lender and I expect inflation to be higher next year, right, I'm, going, I'm only going to lend to you if I, if I can uh, get you to pay a rate of interest that's high enough to compensate me for giving you those dollars today, right? I need to be able to buy as much stuff tomorrow when inflation is 5% higher as I would have been able to buy today, right? And so uh, so I'm going to raise the interest rate or ask for a, a, an interest rate that's high enough to compensate me for the loss of purchasing power uh, that I would incur uh, with the increase in, in prices over, over the period of the loan. And so that is why mortgage rates respond by increasing when inflation increases. And by the way, it's not just mortgage rates. It's car loans. It's, uh, you know, everything. Every loan, personal loans, interest rates increase across the board when inflation increases. And so if you really want to know, if, you, if, you're, you know, if you're sitting there and thinking, well, where are mortgage rates going? I say it's impossible to predict. But one clue is in inflation. If you look at where inflation, if you think inflation is coming down, right, then uh, if you really believe inflation is coming down, then you could say, okay, maybe mortgage rates might take down because inflation is coming down. Uh, and, and so, and what are we seeing? 
you know, if, if you look at the data, uh, we're seeing a number of things. We're seeing, for example, that inflation remains somewhat sticky. We're seeing that the bank turmoil that was widely expected to uh, to cause a tightening of lending conditions, to cause a big decrease in economic activity, all right, and s- slow the economy down. Uh, so far, financial conditions, you know, they're tight, but they're they've actually loosened somewhat in April. And so, you know, they're not quite doing what the Fed was thinking they would have done in April, which would have been a, a tighter, a tightening of, of financial conditions. You know, if you look at, uh, you know, the Chicago Fed has a good uh, financial stress indicator, you see that financial stress has actually decreased and financial conditions have actually loosened in the month of April. And so you, what that, what actually that means is that, you know, that, that financial shock is kind of abating and, uh, and, and it's not quite doing the job of cooling down the economy like the Fed uh, had thought it would uh, right away. And, and of course, maybe we're going to see that later on, right? It's, it's going to play out. Uh, but, you know, that combined with core inflation remaining sticky means interest rates uh, have to continue to go up. Really interesting. So, so Orfe, let's move on to our next part of the conversation. And, and all of our talking points so far have you know, been focused on the dynamics of this quickly and rapidly changing housing market. And affordability is a topic that's come up several times. But focusing in on affordability, I know that you and your team and the, on the Zillow economic research team have done some work around how affordability is impacting how the market is moving. Can you give us a glimpse into exactly how Home price appreciation in the interest rate environment are are keeping certain buyers out of the market and how we might expect that to change as the market continues to uh, evolve or stabilize throughout 2023. Yeah, look, the typical mortgage payment is up 26 percent when compared to uh, last year and and affordability is low. And, 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 you know, we thought I think we thought at some point that affordability would somewhat stabilize. Right. And that you'd see this big improvement in affordability. Uh, you know, but you know, this is not quite playing out. And the reason this is not quite playing out is because sellers have kind of sat are sitting out, right, of this market. You know, had sellers come back in, uh, you know, we'd see buyers having a lot more options, and we would have seen uh, an increase in bargaining power for for buyers and a large uh, improvement in affordability. Uh, mortgage rates have come down somewhat from their high in October. Uh, in September, and you know they've come down somewhat, and so uh, and so they're down, and so that's a small improvement. Uh, but again, they're fluctuating. Like today, they're up, right? So yesterday, you know, I look at Mortgage News Daily, great source for those daily fluctuations in mortgage rate. I look at that, and I, you know, we were at six point five percent, you know, a, a week ago. We're at six point seven percent, seven six point eight. We're taking up today. I mean, it's you know, it's, they're changing so much. Uh, so, you know, again, to buyers, I say, don't focus so much on the mortgage, on the mortgage payment and the mortgage rate. If you can afford it today, worry about get it, worry about financing, right? Know what you can afford, get in that house, get on the housing ladder, refinance later. Uh, the concern, I think, is a valid concern for a lot of people. You know, the payments are really high, Right. Uh, to buyers, uh, you know, sometimes what I say to them is a, a good agent, a really good agent will help you, can help you uh, get that home uh, uh, under monthly payment that, that is comfortable for you. 
and there's a lot of things that sellers are doing out there. You know, sellers are giving away two to one buy downs, right? A two to one buy down is basically, you know, the seller uh, getting you at a, a lower monthly payment for the first two years. And then your monthly pay, your month, your rate jumps back up to, to the typical rate uh, after the first two years. You know, sellers are willing to do some things like that, right? Sellers are willing to get closing costs are another example. You know, you can get a seller to pay part of your closing cost. Uh, so, you know, having a good agent on your side who's going to help you negotiate uh, through that is going to be helpful for, for a buyer, especially a first time home buyer today. Don't focus so much on the price. I think a lot of people are focused on the price. There are ways, there are creative ways to get to that monthly payment that is comfortable for you. All right. Uh, and remember, you could always refinance later. Uh, there's also great down payment assistance, pro- assistance programs for low income families uh, and people who have historically uh, struggled to get on the housing ladder. Right. So taking advantage of that, you know, at Zillow, we have. Uh, we we have you know on our website we we make mentions of all kinds of programs to help people get uh, get on the housing ladder uh, and and again you cannot I cannot stress this enough finance first and then make sure you have a great agent on your side who's going to help you get creative about uh, how to get in that house. Yeah, that's really interesting. So on the the seller incentive side, I imagine that differs pretty widely by market. Markets where there's um, a certain amount of inventory or certain other markets where it's really competitive and still multiple offer scenarios. I'm guessing that the multiple offer scenario markets, the seller concessions or sellers funding a 2-1 buy down are, are a little less common. Um, watching the data closely, We've seen a pretty large uptick in um, incentives coming from home builders, and home builders have been a pretty active part of this uh, of this cycle. Um, I think we were seeing like thirty plus percent of active listings being new construction right now. Can you give us a little glimpse into how home builders are helping incentivize incentivize buyers to to purchase this this new inventory versus searching for the existing inventory market? Yeah, look, you know, we we were looking at housing starts all of last year. And we thought, oh, that's it. I mean, you look at home builder confidence, home builder confidence was plummeting uh, for most of 2022, right? And then uh, and then all of a sudden at the start of this year, you saw home builder confidence uh, increasing. And we have four straight months of confidence increases right now. Dude, right. You know, and I think that took everybody by surprise. Look, home builders are, face, uh, are basically telling you, uh, they're telling you where they think demand is going to be uh, in the future. You know, their, their job is to, they, they have to, right? They have to do a good job at forecasting housing demand because that's how they make money, right? And if they get it wrong, they lose money, right? And so, and so I love paying attention. I paid close attention to home builder confidence because it's very indicative of what builders are facing today, but also what they're thinking about and what, they, what they're hopeful or seeing for the future. Um, so you see housing starts, plummeting, uh, especially single family housing starts plummeting. And all of a sudden, you know, they kind of flattened out maybe even a small uptick in Q1 of this year, right? Uh, so what is, what is this telling us? Well, it's telling us the builders are very confident about where housing demand is, is, go, is going to be uh, in the near future, right? And I, 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 I feel, I reflect that optimism. I feel optimistic about where the spring of 2024 is going to be 
uh, uh, just along with home builders. Uh, they have their some of their costs with inflation coming down. Some of their costs have come down, right? Material costs, right? Uh, the labor market's also cooling, so wage and wage growth is moderating. So that's also good for 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 builders. Uh, you also then have the fact that new sell existing home sellers homeowners are not listing their homes. The new listings uh, are down, and uh, you know they're not coming on on the market. Means that basically sellers builders are getting a higher share of sales, higher share of market activity uh, in today's housing market than they probably have ever have in the past. And so all of these factors are working in favor of builders. Uh, so builders are, are actually seeing their bargaining position improve, right? And, uh, and so today, right now, is probably the best time to get builders to, uh, to consider uh, helping you with your uh, mortgage payment, right? We're buying points for you, right? Taking advantage of the two to one buy downs. Builders are the ones that were doing a lot of that uh, at the end of last year and even at the start of this year uh, to help, you know, some builders will pay uh, a lot of your closing costs, right? They they don't like to budge on the price too much because uh, very often they have multiple units that are, that are, that they're still building and they want to make sure the price stays where it's at, but they will give in on you know closing costs on two on a two to one buy down and so yes new construction is kind of heating up again which is a good thing because we need uh, faced with housing unit deficit we need more units to come on the market we need new more more construct more new construction and so uh, so I was really pleased to see uh, builders come back to the table in quarter one of this year and I hope this continues. Yeah, it seems like there's a, a long-term demographic tale that builders are paying close attention to. And we have this, this wave of millennial first-time home buyers that, that are hitting peak buying age right now. And it seems like Gen Z is coming up behind uh, us millennials is um, just as interested in home ownership and potentially even buying at an earlier age than their parents or older siblings purchased that. Uh, oh, absolutely, and and and, and they they're making more money, right? The, the the opportunities are are unbelievable. You know, nowadays people just you know learn skills uh, on the computer. They, you know, they learn learn new skills and they go in and get a job. Uh, you know, and, and and then you have the work from home phenomenon, right? The idea that you don't have to move to an expensive city anymore. Uh, you don't have to go ahead and buy a house in New York or San Francisco necessarily. Right. You can work in a more affordable, you know, Midwest town and command a big city salary. Uh, you know, so work from home has been has been very has been tremendous, I think, and is a good thing for this for this country, for the U.S. economy as a whole. I think historically, you know, because the jobs were concentrated in these expensive cities, you know, that limited the number of people, talented people who could move there and, and, and be matched to these highly productive uh, uh, jobs. Uh, nowadays, you can work from anywhere uh, as long as you have an internet connection. And I think that's, a, that's, that's great news. And it also means for the housing market that some of these markets, relatively more affordable markets, are going to continue to see uh, a ton more activity uh, than, than you know, the coastal markets where supply is limited and prices are still very, very high. 
Yeah, it's hope the the builders keep focusing on some of these uh, some of these uh, cities like like you're talking about the non coastal markets that are going to be attracting more attention from this this new category of educated worker who's not necessarily flooding into New York, L.A. Or San Francisco. Um, it's definitely an interesting trend to watch as like the, you know, there's a, like a, a thinking that like the, the smartest and most talented fled, fled to some of the biggest cities in the country. But, um, we, we now know that there's some of the most talented and smart people out there, you know, have other lifestyle or family considerations or goals for their own personal finance, financial life. It doesn't make some of these expensive coastal markets quite as attractive. Exactly. And, and, and I mean, it's a great job. I mean, you see some of these cities that, that are growing so fast and they're, they're, their city centers are growing and they're more attractive, uh, you know, uh, bars and restaurants and, and museums. And it's, it's amazing. You know, uh, I have friends who moved to uh, Franklin, Tennessee, you know, and built a brand new house in Franklin, Tennessee. And Nashville is growing. That metro area is on fire. It's unbelievable. And so there's many, many places across the country uh, that now you're seeing a lot of people move from the coast, uh, coast in, uh, there's more land to build on, uh, you know, and then, uh, and then you have, uh, some of the constraints in some of these big cities in terms of, uh, land use regulations, uh, you know, builders are finding it easier to build in, in some of these markets in the middle of the country. And so that's, that's good news. Uh, that's good news. Uh, hopefully we can continue to see, uh, builders, shift their interest to where demand is going. And I'm sure that's what, that's exactly what we're going to see. So Orfe, a lot of, all of these first time home buyers and the, the move up buyers, every, everyone who's uh, smart enough not to try to time the market and wait for um, homes to be on sale for by 20%, which I think you and I can agree is an unlikely outcome. All of these people need help with, with mortgage financing. And at Zillow, you've done some work around the biggest misperceptions that first-time home buyers have around mortgages. Can you share some of those misperceptions, some of the concepts that people don't fully understand, or or things have just changed since their their parents bought a house? Look, the the, the first thing is the down payment myth, right? Like everybody thinks you need a twenty percent down payment, um, you know, to buy a house, and and you know most people. Buy their home with what eight percent, ten percent. Of course, you know you you know the lower the the, the 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 amount you put down, the higher your rate is going to be, the higher monthly payment is going to be. But then also you also have to worry about uh, PMI, right? So that you know, mortgage insurance cost. Uh, but ultimately, uh, you know, telling first-time home buyers that you don't have a, to have twenty percent to get on the housing ladder is really really important. Because the down payment happens to be the biggest barrier to home ownership. The other thing is, if you look at uh, the National Survey of Mortgage origin- Originations, you notice that very few home buyers uh, are, are, are confident about uh, how much money they're going to bring. They need to bring down to the table, right? They're not confident about the, the down payment. They're not confident about closing costs. A lot of first-time home buyers. Don't even know about closing costs, right? And the closing costs, there's so many of them. There's so many fees that go into closing costs. Uh, and so I think it's important to, uh, and which is why we say finance first, it's important to talk to a mortgage professional because the mortgage professional will help you uh, understand, you know, the credits uh, that you need, the down payment. Uh, we'll discuss the closing costs with you. 
Uh, and, and then, you, you know, working with an agent to find creative ways to, uh, to get that home that you're after. Uh, so yeah, those are, those are kind of the big myths that, especially that 20% down payment myth. Uh, it, you know, it used to be that, you know, your parents put down 20%. Nowadays, people, some people even get away with putting down 5%. And it's the super wealthy sometimes even go after interest only loans, uh, which is another whole other topic, right? Uh, and so, um, so I, I say to buyers, you know, talk to that mortgage professional because that mortgage professional will help you get. And the, the, the sooner you start, the better, right? This, the sooner you start, the better because they will help you, you know, change your, your, your situation a little bit to get you started. The second piece of advice I, I, I give to people is once you're approved, don't change your current situation. It's not the time to go changing jobs, right? Uh, you know, that's it. Don't buy the big pickup truck. Don't, big, don't buy the big pickup truck. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Don't put a bunch of stuff on your credit cards. Don't buy your furniture before you close. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's the other thing that I think people miss about, uh, about mortgage financing. You know, once it's done, it's done. And, you know, make sure you get in that house, get the keys and then go to Best Buy and buy a new, you know, the fridge and all the stuff, to, the furniture, whatever, whatever, the home movie theater for some people. Right. Uh, but yeah, that, that's my advice uh, to buyers. Uh, but all of those pitfalls can be avoided by talking to a mortgage professional first. So this is really interesting because the like this isn't new information for any of the mortgage or real estate professionals listening to this episode. But it is a reminder that the consumers out there still do not understand what the current down payment and uh, uh, pre-approval and underwriting process looks like. So it's incredibly important that we're proactive in communicating because if you have a prospective first-time home buyer who is sitting on the sidelines while they wait to save 20%, that's someone who could be active in the 2023 market who might be waiting around until 24, 25, 26 until they saved a certain amount of money. And if the first time a housing professional on the real estate or mortgage side interacts with them, is after they've saved 20%. We could have helped that person get into a house and that they wanted to be in several years earlier versus having them sit on the sideline waiting for 20% down. Now, that's a bad thing. 20% down is great if you have the resources, but uh, I think we owe it to home buyers, prospective home buyers, to make sure they have the information. And, and by the way, I think that's great. But by the way, they getting on the ladder is so important because you, you then you start getting that home equity, right? You know, the, your home value grows, you know, and, and the more you delay, the, 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 the longer it takes uh, for you to get to move up. Right. Uh, but also, again, we, we said at the start of the podcast, you know, home 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 ownership has been so key to wealth building in this country uh, that, you know, there was an interesting stat I saw recently. Uh, I think it was put out by the National Association of Realtors. Homeowner wealth is now 40 times higher than it is for renters. It's crazy. The stat was was unbelievable uh, to think that renters relative to homeowners might have gotten left behind over the past decade. Uh, you know, and, and by the way, most renters are paying that mortgage payment. Many are paying more depending on, on what it would cost to yeah, own. Exactly. You know, rents tend to follow house prices. Uh, 
you know, you, you, you look at uh, the rental market is finally cooling a little bit, but rents are high. They're the highest they've ever been. Uh, you know, rent growth has cooled, but rents are the highest they've ever been, right? And so, uh, so I think it's important for, for, for us, mortgage, you know, mortgage professionals, agents, realtors, uh, people in the community, in the industry, to, to go out and share that information with people uh, so they don't get left behind. Orfe, in this conversation, we set out to help inform our audience of housing professionals on how to navigate this rapidly changing market. We've talked about supply and demand. We've talked about interest rates. We've talked about not trying to time the market. We talked about affordability and um, mortgage financing and some of the misperceptions that are out there. Is there anything else that you think we have missed in this uh, first episode of our four-part series on modern mortgage lending no I, I think we I think we covered it all I, you know I, I, I think to summarize uh, to summarize what's going on in the housing market t- today uh, affordability is the key right affordability is still front and center uh, it was front and center uh, during the pandemic I think it was front and center before the pandemic and it still is front and center today I think you know you know mortgage people Housing demand responds to these macro factors. Uh, on the demand side, you have income, right, and, and employment growth. You have interest rates, uh, and you have, um, you know, you also have uh, non-housing wealth, right? Uh, whether if the stock market is doing really, really well, uh, for example, and incomes are growing, uh, and mortgage rates are ticking down, people come on the market and buy housing. Uh, and, and that's how it works. And then on the supply side, you have, you know, those geographic constraints to building and on the coastal markets, which is why housing is somewhat more expensive on the coast than it is uh, with inside the country. Those areas with uh, mountains, uh, lakes and uh, oceans, right, ocean, ocean boundaries, uh, you know, and, and so that's the supply on the supplies. And then you also have man-made constraints to building. And while you can't do much about geographic uh, roadblocks to building, there's a ton we can do at the federal, state, local level to alleviate, to unlock builders, to uh, uh, reform some of our antiquated zoning laws uh, so that builders can actually go ahead and build. Uh, You're not going to get, you know, land is getting scarce uh, land is a scarce uh, resources resource, and you know you cannot possibly justify the fact that a place like Seattle, for example, where I live, is seventy five percent of Seattle is zoned for single family housing. Seventy five percent. That's a crazy statistic. It's unbelievable. It's you know it's very similar in, in places like Washington D.C., for example, right? Uh, and so, what does that mean? That means that you know. With people coming in the region, with people or people, even even just people who have kind of historically been left out of housing, right? People who have in the past not had access because of uh, uh, you know some of these lending practices of the past that kept some groups out. People who uh, were, didn't have access to the labor market and now are finding now finding jobs, good paying jobs, and 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 getting access in the labor market. Uh, you know, people who have had land seized from them 
uh, because of our history in this country, right? All of those factors uh, are, are limiting access in the, to housing to those people uh, today, right? The inability to build up uh, uh, or, or even build out uh, is causing many, many people to be left out. And so at Zillow, we fight to, uh, to reform uh, zoning across the country. Right? We really believe that we need to uh, improve access to, to housing for, for all people. And so I think that's, that, that's a, probably a good way to end, uh, to end the podcast by saying, look, uh, zoning reform uh, should be part of the conversation. We need to unlock builders uh, so that we can start to see more housing being built across the country uh, and so that we can include uh, people who have historically have been left out. A hundred percent. You nailed it. And I think as housing professionals, we can all relate with the desire to help people get on the housing ladder, ladder create fair and equitable housing systems, and also create a, a housing economy that is a great place to do business for all of the mortgage, real estate, home building, and associated uh, businesses out there. So Orfe, thank you so much for sharing your expertise, your research, your work, your passion. Um, really enjoyed the conversation. And I can't wait for episode two of this four-part series. Oh, thanks for having me. Bam. Now that is a wrap of this week's episode of the Housing News Podcast. Do me a huge favor and go to iTunes and rate this show. And if you leave a comment, you better tune in next week because you might get a shout out. Thank you.